Chapter Five of the Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter Five. Squatter and Saint. Return we to the squatter's cabin. This time to enter it. Inside there is not much to be seen or described the interior consists of a single room of which the log walls are the sides and the clapboard roof the ceiling in one corner there is a little partition or screen the materials composing it being skins of the black bear and fallow deer it is pleasant to look upon this little chamber it is the shrine of modesty and virgin innocence its presence proves that the squatter is not altogether a savage rude as is the interior of the dwelling it contains a few relics of bygone better days not spent there but elsewhere some books are seen upon a little shelf the library of lillian's mother and two or three pieces of furniture that have once been decent if not stylish but chattels of this land are scarce in the backwoods even in the houses of more pretentious people than a squatter and a log-stool or two a table of split poplar planks an iron pot some pans and pails of tin a few plates and pannikins of the same material a gourd dipper or drinking cup and half a dozen common knives forks and spoons constitute the whole plenishing of the hut the skin of a cougar not long killed hangs against the wall beside it are the pelts of other wild animals as the gray fox the raccoon the rufous lynx muskrats and minks these draping the roughly hewn logs rob them to some extent of their rigidity by the door is suspended an old saddle of the fashion known as american a sort of cross between the high-peaked scylla of the mexicans and the flat pad like english saddle on the adjacent peg hangs a bridle to match its reins black with age and its bit reddened with rust some light articles of female apparel are seen hanging against the wall near that sacred precinct where during the night hours repose the fair daughters of the squatter the cabin is a rude dwelling indeed a rough casket to contain a pair of jewels so sparkling and priceless just now it is occupied by two individuals of a very different character two men already mentioned the hunter hickman holt and his visitor joshua stebbins the schoolmaster of swampville the personal appearance of the latter has been already half described it deserves a more detailed delineation his probable age has been stated about thirty his spare figure and ill-omened aspect have been alluded to add to this low stature a tripe-coloured skin a beardless face a shrinking chin a nose sharp-pointed and peckish lank black hair falling over the forehead and hanging down almost low enough to shadow a pair of deep-set weasel-like eyes given to this combination of features a slightly sinister aspect and you have the portrait of joshua stebbins it is not easy to tell the cause of this sinister expression for the features are not irregular and but for its bilious colour the face could scarcely be determined ill-looking the eyes do not squint the thin lips appear making a constant effort to look smiling and saint-like perhaps it is this outward affectation of the saintly character belying as it evidently does the spirit within that produces the unfavourable impression in earlier youth the face may have been better favoured but a career spent in the exercise of evil passions has left more than one blaze upon it it is difficult to reconcile such a career with the demeanour of the man and especially with his present occupation 
but joshua stebbins has not always been a schoolmaster and the pedagogue of a border settlement is not necessarily expected to be a model of morality even if it were so this lord of the hickory switch is comparatively a stranger in swampville and perhaps only the best side of his character has been exhibited to the parents and guardians of the settlement this is of the saintly order and as if to strengthen the illusion a dress of clerical cut has been assumed and also a white cravat and black boat-brimmed hat the coat waistcoat and trousers are of broadcloth though not of the finest quality it is just such a costume as might be worn by one of the humbler class of methodist border ministers or by a catholic priest a somewhat rarer bird in the backwoods joshua stebbins is neither one nor the other although as will shortly appear his assumption of the ecclesiastical style is not altogether confined to his dress of late he has also affected the clerical calling the sidivant attorney's clerk while the schoolmaster of swampville is now an apostle of the latter-day saints the character is new the faith itself is not very old for the events we are relating occurred during the first decade of the mormon revelation even holt himself has not yet been made aware of the change as would appear from a certain air of astonishment with which at first sight he regards the clerical habiliments of his visitor it would be difficult to imagine a greater contrast than that presented in the appearance of these two men were we to select two parallel types from the animal world they would be the sly fox and the grizzly bear the latter represented by the squatter himself in hickman holt we behold a personage of unwonted aspect a man of gigantic stature with a beard reaching to the second button of his coat and a face not to be looked upon without a sensation of terror a countenance expressive of determined courage but at the same time a fierceness untempered by any trace of a softer emotion a shaggy sand-coloured beard slightly grizzled eyebrows like a chevaux de frise of hog's bristles eyes of a greenish-gray and a broad livid scar across the left cheek are component parts in producing this aspect while a red cotton kerchief wound turban-like around the head and pulled low down in front renders its expression more palpable and pronounced a loose surtout of thick green blanket-cloth somewhat faded and worn adds to the colossal appearance of the man while a red flannel shirt serves him also for a vest his huge limbs are encased in pantaloons of blue kentucky jeans but these are scarcely visible as the skirt of his ample coat drapes down so as to cover the tops of a pair of rough horse-skin boots that reach upwards to his knees the costume is common enough on the banks of the mississippi the colossal form is not rare but the fierce and somewhat repulsive countenance that is more individual is this the father of marion and lillian is it possible from so rude a stem could spring such graceful branches flowers so fair and lovely if so then must the mothers of both have been beautiful beyond common it is even true and true that both were beautiful wherefore they are gone and hickman holt is twice a widower long ago he buried the half-blood mother of marion and at a later period though still some years ago her gentle golden-haired successor was carried to an early grave the latter event occurred in one of the settlements nearer to the region of civilized life there was a murmur of mystery about the second widowhood of hickman holt which only became hushed on his moving further west to the wild forest where we now find him here no one knows aught of his past life or history one only excepted and that is the man who is to-day his visitor contrasting the two men regarding the superior size and more formidable aspect of the owner of the cabin 
you would expect his guest to make some show of obeisance to him on the contrary it is the squatter who exhibits the appearance of complacence he has already saluted his visitor with an air of embarrassment but ill-concealed under the words of welcome with which he received him throughout the scene of salutation and afterwards the schoolmaster has maintained his characteristic demeanour of half-smiling half-sneering coolness noting the behaviour of these two men to one another even a careless observer could perceive that the smaller man is the master. End of chapter 5